0: Good morning. If you have a Bible, please take it and turn to Psalm 4. I know that some of you saw the video I posted on Facebook, and I said Psalm 5. That is just because I'm insane, and uh, <laughs> I've been studying all week in Psalm 4. Okay, and I told the guys in the back if I started with Psalm 5, they were supposed to wave me, say no, Psalm 4. And so we're gonna do a, a little bit last this summertime. It's and it's summer. It's here. It's awesome. It's uh, warm. If you work outside, maybe it's not so awesome, but, you know, it's a good time of year. You're planning, you know, probably planning a vacation, and you're probably just—people are just happier usually in the summer. Maybe that's just me. I'm from the Sunshine State and um, when it gets gray for an extended period of time, I want to jump off a building. I cannot stand it, and when the sun is shining, I feel like a different person, and I want you, we, we're going to spend our summer in the Psalms here, and and why I mentioned how I feel is because the psalmist relates to God. The psalmist is the person who wrote the Psalms, and and. There's different authors of different psalms, different psalms we can translate as songs, and they wrote these songs, heartfelt pleas to God. They're communing with God. He, he's praying to God. He is asking for things for God. He is praising God. The psalmist, they raise up praises to God, and they they are in a communion. with He's in communion with God, and, and it's, it's from the depths of his soul outward. Now, we get jazzed and and get emotional experiences all the time. In fact, I went to a concert in Louisville um, this weekend, and it was one of the big rock bands, U2, okay? And I tell you, I don't know what was going on with some people, but they totally worship at concerts. I mean, like straight up, hands raised high, forgetting where you are, at least they're worshiping something. I don't know what they are, but they long for that experience. And what I want them to know, and what I would just pray that everybody can come to know is that God is better than the best thing in this world. And to commune with him, to know him, to, to, to sing to him, to speak to him, and for him to speak back is a glory unbelievable. And the psalmist, it gives language to our emotions. It gives language to who God is and to who we are. And so it's just a perfect time in the summer. We feel more open. We, we feel we, we, that the sun is shining, it's out, and we just need to speak to God. And so that's where we're going to be this summer in the Psalms. And we're going to start in Psalm 4, not Psalm 5. And I like to read it before we, we break it down because, in a whole, it is David's prayer, David's song to the Lord. And it says this To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? la. But no, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than when they have grain and wine. Then, so let me start that again. Then they have when their grain and wine abound. Verse 8, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. There's a lot of ideas. And it starts here, Answer Me. It talks about how vain people are and their, their words, and it's all over the place. And so I want to give you, if we could, if we're going to have two sentences to help you kind of sum this up, because you're going to go out of here today, and you're going to go to lunch, okay? Maybe you're already thinking about lunch. You're like, what are we going to have? What's Father's Day lunch going to be about? So when you get down to lunch, okay, and this is a biblical idea. When you, when you rise up and you sit down and you talk about the word of the Lord, and when you kind of get there and you start talking about how things were, how the service was, and you inevitably do it, okay? And you're going to talk about the message. You're going to be like, what on earth was that about? And I hope that these couple sentences will help you go, I didn't get much. Or maybe I got something, but I know what it was about. And here's what it is. This sentence is, this psalm tells us something about confidence. We can call out to God in prayer confidently because he hears his people. Let me say that again. We can call out to God in prayer. We can pray to God. We can speak to him confidently. Because he hears his people. The confidence that he hears, or the confidence that he hears us gives us a weapon against fear and a pathway to peace. We can be confident that he hears us, and because we trust in him, we can have a weapon against anger, and we have a pathway to peace. And so we start here, and we got to ask the situation, because all of these songs are written with some life situation going on. Some of, the, some of the best songs that you've ever heard, you wanna hear the backstory on like, how did they come up with that, okay? Have you ever heard the, the song, The Cat's in the Cradle, it's Father's Day? If you just wanna have a nice long cry, okay, and just feel bad about yourself, <laughs> you know, cats in the cradle than the silver spoon, little boy, blue, you're going, oh, I miss my son, okay, <laughs> I'm a bad father, I mean, that's just what you get, <laughs> I missed the t-ball game, <laughs> okay, that has a backstory somewhere, I don't know what it is, it was probably not happy, okay, it's about that, 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 missing out on your son's life because you're so busy with other things. And the songs have that and you want and some of us we want to go to singer-songwriter nights, which is a real thing that we can do here because we live close to Music City and you want to hear the story behind the song. So we asked the question, how do we get what, what what's the story? All of these psalms have a story, a backstory that it's, it's written out of a life experience, and, and it's a praise or a prayer or a lament or something towards God, and it has a it's rooted in real life situations. The Bible is not a book to be read, just just a book to be read. It is a book that reads us. It's a book that shows us life and humanity, shows us how we should relate to God, shows us how we should worship him. And so to be very clear, there is a situation going on. And then like a lot of songs, you can find out, maybe you don't know exactly what the, that the author was going through, but you can look at it and you can get bits and pieces of understanding what's the situation. And we can do that here. Because this is the Psalm of David. David had a lot of ups and downs in his life. He had sin. He had redemption. He had his son. He had a lot of family Family problems and family strife. I know some of us can relate to that. And in all of that, he has experienced all sorts of ups and downs in life, just like we have. And so, if we want to look in verses 1 and verse 2, we see the major problem that he is facing. In verse 1, it says this Answer me when I call, O God, my righteousness. Well, first off, he's asked, he's saying, God, would you hear my prayer? Would you just hear me? You're my righteousness. You, anything right I have, it's in you. And then he says this, you have given me relief when I was in distress. So there's two things we can see here. First, he's confidence that God has given him relief in the past, but more so we notice that he is in distress. This is what I love about the Hebrew language, okay, that doesn't necessarily come over into the English very well. It's, very, it's a very visual-type language. And so this little phrase that's translated here. You have given me relief when I was in distress. It basically means this. You have widened the narrow path. It's like you were constricted, and he made it open. Now, I have, and I didn't clear this with Mitch. Mitch, I love you, so I'm about to show this, okay? <laughs> would, you, would you show that picture up here? Okay. Okay. That's my man, Mitch, right here. We went to student life camp a couple weeks ago. Now, a bunch of the boys did it. I just thought I'd pick Mitch out, okay? They got in these orbs, okay? Isn't that amazing? And they would run at each other, and they were, the game was officially trying to get a giant ball, which is about as tall as I am, into a goal at camp. However, they took all the guys. Didn't care about that ball, and they were like, "Let's hit each other as hard as we can." And of course, Mitch, being being one of the biggest kids I know, he was like, "Yeah, baby, okay," and he was like, "Let's do this." He's jumping and doing this. Like, let's hit some kids, and that's what he did. They blew the whistle, and everybody ran into this big, you know, big pile, and it doesn't hurt nearly as bad. Robert smirking, right? It was, it was fun. These people were knocking each other haywire. Well i couldn't i I want to do that, but I get really claustrophobic and i'm in like I'm in this ball, and what I know I've seen this happen previously people get hit really hard and they turn over on their heads and they're stuck like a turtle on their back and so my whole job was number one to record this and make sure we have a record, and number two to <laughs> like project my claustrophobia on kids and turn them over if they get over. I'm like, no, no, you're gonna die, okay? Don't suffocate. And there's a video I have of this and Mitch Mitch clocked somebody. It was awesome. And then he got blindsided. who, And he rolls and he is he is head down, feet up. Like that. And you see me in the video, Mitch. <laughs> I'll get the video later, okay? If you want to see it, see me afterwards. I love you, Mitch. I think that fits this situation the best. I was constricted. I was against the wall. I was, I, the walls were closing in on me. I was in this tough, tight place. But God, you widened what was narrow. I was feeling choked, and you removed the thing that was choking me. And so there was a distress here, and it felt like to the psalmist, this is the way he describes it here, that he was being choked, being hemmed in, the walls were closing in on him, but the Lord released that. So there's distress here, and now we get to see in verse 2 what exactly that distress was. In verse 2 it says this, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? And here is the problem, the great distress, the great narrowing, the choking that was happening to the psalmist. It was that people were talking smack. They were saying, they were were slandering the psalmist. They were saying things that were not true about him. They were saying vain words, empty words. They're just talking about people to talk about people. The psalmist was being persecuted he was being talked down to talked about people were uttering lies about him and his honor was being turned into shame he had some people who were hating on him and some of you may know that situation where social media or any number of things people have said things about you whether together whether as you know people one-to-one or it's gotten around on whatever way whatever format possible they have said things that were not true and they've beaten us down and he's saying that was the thing that was choking him. That was that narrow place that he was in. However, this does not have to just stay here with one distress. Because we don't know exactly this situation here. We don't, some, some people think it was when he had to run from his son Absalom who tried to take the kingdom from David. We don't know. That's the beauty of this. It's left wide open so that we can see ourselves with the psalmist. As he tries to follow God, so can we. And it's inevitable that we will encounter various degrees of distress in our life. There will be the high mountains and the low lows. We will have good relationships and we will have the bad relationships. We will have times when we're following the Lord and we will have times where we are in in a valley and we are struggling to follow the Lord because of whatever situation, whether it's self-imposed, or it's from the outside. And whatever distress you are in, he prays to the Lord. He lifts up a prayer to him, saying, God, I know you will hear me, answer me, in verse 1, answer me when I call, because you're my righteousness. Anything good I have in me is from you. You do what's right. I call to you. And in this verse, we see here his confidence begins. He, the situation is distress. It's distress because of other people. The distress that we face can be any number of things. But the thing we must do in a time of distress, because you will be in distress one way or the other is to call confidently on the Lord. And his confidence, where do you see that, Matt? Well, the confidence is seen in three ways. And first off is in verse 1, the very verse we just talked about, about distress. It says, you have, he says, look in verse 1 with me. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. You have opened, widened what was narrow. He says, answer me. And then he says, God, you've already answered me in the past. If you want to know how you can have confidence when you go to prayer, it's you have to trust what the Lord has done in the past. That's the first thing. Now, you may be saying, I don't know what I've seen him do in the past, so I guarantee you he's done something in your life in the past. But that's not where our number one confidence should be, it's not what personally we've experienced in the past, we can actually look to the scripture and see what God has done in the past and how he's been faithful and kept his promises to his people. And so first off, when we, want, when we come to pray, we need to pray confidently. Why should we pray confidently? Because of what the Lord has done in the past. What has the Lord done for Israel? What has the Lord done for his people? What has the Lord done for Moses? What has the Lord done for the, all the people in the Bible who followed him by faith? Has he been faithful to them? Has he kept his promises? Yes, not like, not like we would want him to keep his promises, But the way that is best, just just soak this in for a moment. Just you need to hear this. Your way is not the best. God's is. Let me say it to you again. Your way is not the best. God's is. Whatever comes your way, it is for your good and for his glory. He is not an absentee father. He is a good father. He is a good father. And the psalmist says, I know. He says, answer me when I call, O God, my righteousness. He is confident to ask this because he he knows what the Lord has done in the past. You have, this has already happened, you have given me relief when I was in distress. You have given me relief when I was in distress. The Lord has been working. So when we come and we pray, we must pray remembering what he's done. Because usually when we come to pray, when we're in times of distress, the only thing we can think about is our problem. Right? How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to mend this relationship? How is how is my reputation ever going to recover from this? How, 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 how? And then we think about, then that Our problem is huge. Our God seems small, but he is not. It's the opposite. Our God is big, and our problem is small in relationship, not that your problem doesn't mean anything, but in relationship to God and how faithful he's been to you, our problems are nothing. And he remembers, he says, God, you're going to answer me. You know why? Because you have in the past, and I have no reason to think you're going to change. He's never changing. He's never changing. He is immutable. He does not change. And he has kept his promises in the past. And it will keep them in the future. And just hear me, if you follow Christ, he has already answered you in your distress because your sin kept you from him. And he reconciled you to himself. Not because of anything good you've done, but because of Christ. And so your greatest distress has already been taken care of. And so... How can we approach him? We, we need to come with confidence when we pray. Well, how can we do that? Because sometimes we don't feel that. The first one is to remember what he has done for us in the past. The psalmist does. In the past, God, you, I've been choked out. I've been closed in. I've been claustrophobic. I've been turned over in the orb. But you have given me relief. <sighs> have you been in that place where you've ever really, really needed relief? I have, many ways. I've had kidney stones before, and I'm like, give me the drugs, people. Help me or I'll kill you. And when that drug hit my system, I felt relief from that pain. That is the relief that we're talking about here this relief that's not found because that was just, you know, that's just a temporary fix when you get that relief from that that doctor. What they need to do, they need to heal you completely. So that's what we have in Christ is we don't have just a little quick fix. We have his relief that continues in us. And the word's in the perfect tense here. And so it's like this, he has given me completely relief from my distress. There's a confidence in him that he's done that. Then it goes on, and he says, what else? How can, else can we be confident when we come to pray, when we're in distress? When our problems seem big and our God seems small, what do we go to? In verse 3, he says this. After he talks about those who call him out in verse 2, those who have been lying about him. In verse 3, it says this, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself, the Lord hears when I call to him. The second reason we can be confident is because of what, the first reason we can be confident when we come to pray is this, that God's answered our prayers before and given us relief. The second reason is that he has set his people apart. Now, that is a wild thing. We set apart and we set aside things all the time. Okay? We really do. We set them aside for special purposes. Many of you have are going on vacation or you'd like to go on vacation. So what you're doing right now is you have, whether you're in a bank or you have it in your house, maybe in a mattress, maybe in the wall. I'm not recommending that. Banks are pretty okay. And so maybe you have your money hidden in a safe deposit box. Wherever you have it, you're putting away whatever cash you can spare. You're kind of putting it away for that cruise. You're putting it away to go to Disney. You're putting it away to go to the beach. You're putting it away here. And maybe you're about to spend that money that you have set aside. And so here's what we have, this idea that the Lord has taken his people and set them aside for his special use. But I don't want you to think here, because here's where we walk. You are valuable in the Lord's sight because you're made in his image. But that is not a place for us to boast. I want to be clear about this. Have you ever noticed that kids sometimes get, like little kids get an attachment to things? Like some maybe like you have a special, like they had a special bunny or a special, like my wife, she's laughing because that's where I went. She has a special bunny we still have at my house. She doesn't sleep with it anymore, thank God, okay, because that thing's falling apart. It's like, help me, put me out of my misery. I mean, that's that's what the bunny looks like. (laughs) <laughs> I used to have my pacifier, okay, when I was, no, like last year, no, um, uh, <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, and I used to call it, okay, Uh I, I would say, paci, and I would walk around the house, where is that thing? Well, do you know how much that cost at Walmart? I don't know, probably then, 65 cents, okay, and I'm looking for that thing. And if I didn't have that, that thing, that point, when you have a crying child, is the most valuable thing you ever, you know. Like, I will pay you $75 for a pacifier right now to make this kid, like, it's the silence cork, you know. Okay? Give me a silence cork so that we can stop this, all right? Here's my money. Take it. But that doesn't, it doesn't mean a whole lot in the sense of it's not in, monetari- in a monetary value. It's not a whole lot. But it means a lot to that kid. And that is how, that is in a, in, in, in a fraction, just a little piece of the Lord. He, we are not valuable because of anything we can bring to the table. We are valuable and set apart because of the Lord's good pleasure. And he, in his love and kindness, has decided to take rebels, those who have sinned against him, those who continue to walk away, and to place his covenant faithful love on those people and to draw him to themselves, and not just that, but to set us apart as special. Like, those who are in Christ are set apart as special to him, not because of anything good in us, but because of all the good that is in him. And so we can come to him confidently in prayer, and we see this here, because the psalmist says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. This idea is all throughout the Bible. He set apart Israel t- for himself. He set apart, set apart the prophets for himself, especially Jeremiah. He was set apart before the womb. He knows that he set apart a people to believe in Christ. He, we know that he has set, Jesus talks about this in John chapter 17, that God has given him a people to redeem, and not one of those people who come to him will be lost. All who come to the Father will be saved. All who the Father has given will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, Just hear this really clearly. This is a thing throughout the Bible. The Lord sets his affections on undeserving people. That is mercy and grace and love seen in unbelievable ways. And he sets his people apart to be different. That's why when, he is, when we read this earlier, when he was talking about when we can say in the Lord's prayer, say, our Father, we are set apart to be part of the family of God in which God is no longer this abstract, high, lifted up being. He is also imminent, which means he's close to us and we can know his presence, and he has set us apart as a prized possession. Oh, no wonder he would hear us. The psalmist says, and this is all throughout the Bible, But no, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. And then those he set apart, he'll hear. It says, the Lord hears when I call because he has set me apart. Your child asks for something. (laughs) Even they wake you up at four in the morning. As long as it's not insane, you're inclined to give it. Right? Like if Judson woke up at 4 in the morning and said, Dad, can I have candy? I'd be like, go back to bed. I'll hurt you. Okay? No, I'm kidding. That's not true. I won't hurt him, but I'm like, go back to bed. All right? I'm not giving him candy at 4 a.m. That's just a bad idea or 1 a.m. However, when he comes and he's like, Dad, I need a drink of water at 3 o'clock in the morning, guess what? Is it going to stink to get out of bed? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been woken up like that? Okay? <laughs> it feels awful. <laughs> Feel like someone hit you in the head with a hammer. Okay, getting water, I'm spilling it everywhere. Here's your water. Why would you you'd be inclined to do that? Because he is a special possession. He is my child. He is somebody different to me. And the how, how much more will the Lord hear us when we call to him? We can come confidently in prayer. The psalmist does because he knows, Lord, you've answered my prayers in the past. You've answered the prayers of the people, your people in the past. You've been faithful to me in the past. Also, I know this, that you set us apart for you. We are a prized possession, not because of anything good in us, because you loved us. And he set us apart, and because you set us apart, you hear us, and you'll give us good things. The Lord, we can be confident in prayer because the Lord will hear us, because we are set apart by him. We are a different people. Finally, we see in verses 6 and 7, it says this. The third thing, that we, the reason we can have confidence is this. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abounds. This question, we see the haters kind of resurface, okay? The haters resurface in verse 6. You know the ones that we talked about in verse 2, the ones who were, were saying vain things, were lying about the psalmist and calling him out you know, the ones who at this point were kind of the center of his distress because they were talking against him, they resurface, or at least a mention of them resurfaces here in this part of the psalm. And he says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Who will show us some good? You might know somebody who might be described as a Debbie Downer, okay? Or having Eeyore syndrome, if you know Winnie the Pooh a little bit. You're having a great day, and they should be having a great day too, but they have decided <laughs> to see the most negative thing about that day, okay? And like, man, the sun is shining. It's a great day. It's kind of hot, and the sun's radiation can give you skin cancer. You're like, "Here comes Debbie Downer okay? you know somebody like that? That person that comes, and they're like, "Where's the good?" I'm gonna focus on the bad. I want you to see this clearly. Those who those who have trouble trusting the Lord usually see the bad. Because they don't know they, they, they just don't have the faith or the foresight or the gift here to see past their present into what God is doing in the future. And so there is, this, there is this idea from the psalmist that there are these people, that, who will show us some good? Who, is, who will show us anything good? How are you saying there's good in your life? How, how can you see good things? Well, the psalmist, he has seen the Lord, and that is where his joy is. Joy is different than happiness. As Bob Dylan once said, happy is a yuppie word. Happy is a small, trite thing. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness is when a kid gets an ice cream cone and is elated, and the sorrow is when in two seconds it falls off the cone and hits the ground. That's happiness. It's weak. It's wimpy. It's for yuppies. Joy is an inexpressible contentment, peace, and And a happiness that cannot be overrun because it is in the Lord. Who will show us some good? The psalmist is like, look outside, look around you. What does he say? He lifts up and says, Who will show you some good? Lift up the light of lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. The good is in God. The good is not in stuff, the good is in God just in case you are tempted to listen to people who try to lie to you, that tells you that you need to be happy, that Jesus means to make you happy, wealthy, and wise. You need to know something. God is better than the best thing this earth has to offer. Cars and cash and health are nothing compared to him. Because if that was the case, the psalmist would be like, where's the good? He'd be like, let me count my paper that God has given me because I sowed in faith. That's not in the Bible. That's the ramblings of religious idiots. That's, and that's what makes people question the, the church. It's insane. The Lord, the best thing God can give to you is his presence, is knowing him. And so he says, why does the psalmist have confidence? Because he has seen the Lord. He says, Lord, lift up your face. Show it to us. And then he says this, and this is how we know he has seen the Lord. And it goes back to another psalm, Psalm 42, which says, taste to see that the Lord is good. Here we go. He says this. He says, verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. We could translate that if we can like move it over to modern times. You have put more joy in my heart than when their bank account is full. You have put more joy in my heart than when I don't have to go to the doctor and my health is good. You have put more joy in my heart than anything. And I want you to know this that there is joy inexpressible in the Lord. And the psalmist can be confident because he has seen the Lord. Went to this restaurant called Mama's Barbecue in Louisville this last weekend. Okay. And um it was unbelievable. And it was in a really shady part of town. It was in this really sh- it was in this strip mall and it was next to a bunch of shady stores. And we got out of the car and we looked at it and we're like about this <laughs> okay and then we, we saw the health the health you know letter and it was a hundred so we're like okay good at least there might be cockroaches next door grossest next door here will be good you open it up and it is this cool looking restaurant okay you would not think that but you're like this is awesome and apparently we didn't know this but this was on the diners drive ins and dive the, the, cho- the show from the food network and they told us that <laughs> i was like oh yeah that's gonna be good all right this is tv food all right so we're gonna go in and eat tv food we sit down and we start eating, and we're like, this is amazing. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And I got these ribs. You can go on my Facebook page. I think Amy boasted. I got beef ribs. The ribs were like this long. I felt like Fred Flintstone. Like if it had been served to our car, it would have flipped over, okay? And I mean, it was that. It was like, oh, I'm meat, okay? Fantastic. Pulled the bone out. I could have beat somebody with like a club. It was awesome. What are you going to do with that? What are you, you going to do when you go to a restaurant? What do you inevitably do? Let, that's awesome. Go eat there. Go go, go there. Make sure that stays in business so when I come back, I can eat there too. Go. And, then, and that's what this kind of idea here is, 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 is. We see it in other Psalms. It's Psalm 40. I think it's 40 or, 40 or 42. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have that here again. He says, you put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. God, I have found joy in you. I know you've been good to me. I know you are good. I know in you there is, you are better than the best thing. I know in you there is joy unending. I know that. So I can come confidently knowing that you give good gifts. And so though he is in distress and he's calling out, his prayers, when he brings them to the Lord, are in complete confidence because he knows how the Lord has worked in the past. He knows that the Lord sees his people as a prized possession, and he knows that the people of God know great joy because they know the God of the universe. Now, what we see here, he's praying in faith. What is faith? Well, we've defined faith in two bad ways, okay? And it's not completely wrong, but it doesn't get the biblical idea of faith, okay? The biblical idea of faith is different than these two ideas. Faith sometimes believes the summation of the doctrine you should believe to be a believer, to be a Christian. So it's all the things about Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. It's not just, faith here is not just the things that you need to mentally assent to, just the doctrinal points. Secondly, a lot of us think we believe we, the common idea about faith. When you hear that word, it's kind of like I just hope it's, it's like really, really hoping and being positive that things are gonna things are gonna work out. I just just gotta have faith, you know. Oh, I know, I know. You know, you're, you're behind on your bills. Just have faith, which basically means just I don't know probably not going to work out, but you should just stay positive about it and stop talking to me about it is what really we mean when we say like, just have faith. Okay. Just trust. It means like, stop whining. Okay. I don't want to hear it anymore because you should be positive and hope that it works out. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith is, a com- is confidence in God. It's a trust in God. It's saying, I put all my trust in you. I've, I trust that you have been good to me in the past, that your word is true, and that you'll be good to me in the future because you made promises and you keep them. It's a trust in a person. It's different than just trust that things will work out. It's trust that the character and the power and the nature of God will come through for you, not because of anything good in you, but because he's made you his own possession by faith in Christ that is what we have here and so that the psalmist comes with confidence knowing the nature of God believing in him and because of that he has two great things and there's two results that we see here first off is he has a weapon against anger if you would look with me in verses 4 and 5 cuz this is weird it's really strange he's talking about i have confidence in the lord there's these people who talk against me but i I believe the Lord has set us apart, set his people apart. And then he says this in verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Did you have an ADD moment? Did you see a squirrel? Did you stub your toe in the middle of writing this? Like, oh, be angry and do not sin. Keep those words inside of me, Holy Spirit. Is that what was happening? Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and Be silent. No, I think what's happening is, is he the as it tends to do, the distress and the people who are hating on him have risen back up in his thought process as he's led by the Spirit, and he says, "Be angry or tremble with anger" is one of the ways that 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 be angry. Hebrews are very a very practical visual language, and so it's like this: idea, If you've been so mad, you're trembling. You're going to knock somebody out, okay? He says, "Tremble." Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Psalmist is getting really real. Most of us, when we're in a, uh, in a difficult situation, can put on a good game face during the day. But usually when night comes and we're alone, that's when all the thoughts start swirling again. Right? do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said to me? Do you know what they said about me? Do you know? And what starts to happen, anger and resentment builds again, and the Bible says there's nothing wrong necessarily with being angry, but there is, a way <laughs> there is an anger that leads to sin, an outpouring of it that leads to sin and what happens here is that he's saying there's a command to be angry, let it happen, and do not sin to ponder lay in your bed at night in that place where you're the quietest that your thoughts can run, that your heart, that your heart's open and you're really thinking about things is lay on your bed and be silent. Don't sin in those moments. Don't let the thoughts of of what you would do to that person take over. Don't let sin Get rooted in your heart, but this, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Being confident that the Lord hears us and that he's powerful, to take, powerful enough to take care of us because he has in the past and because we're his prized possession, it leads us to this point where we can be angry because we've been done wrong, we've been in distress, but we don't have to sin and, and go after that other person. You know why? Because our trust is in the Lord and his sacrifices, So we have a great weapon against anger, and it's confidence in the Lord. So we when we lay down at night, vengeance does not have to be ours. He will take care of it as he, as he, as he desires. We don't have to be angry with our situation. You know why? Because it's as he intended and he will work in us and through us for our good and for his glory. We believe it. We trust. And so he says, don't be angry. Be angry and do not sin. And we see this very clearly. Actually, Paul quotes this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 27. It says this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And listen to this, and give no opportunity to the devil. Our anger is a breeding ground for sin. And sin, when we let it like when anger, we let it stay in our hearts, it becomes a place where the devil has an opening to work. And if you want to see just, just a practical example of this, let somebody do you wrong, hold on to it, and see what happens in three or four months when they do something else like mine. You'll blow up like crazy, and they're going to be like, "What the heck, man? I just sorry, the door hit you when you're walking out, because you've been take you had a, a place for the devil to get in there and to wreak havoc. And so we have this thing, we have confidence in God. Finally, I want you to see this. This is one of my favorite verses in this psalm, and I think it will be yours too. Not only that, not only do we have the confidence it gives us a weapon against anger, but also it gives us a pathway to peace. Verse eight. Conclusion of the Psalm says this In peace, I will both lay down and sleep. For you will. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, notice something in this language, and this is actually really prevalent in the Hebrew language. It says this, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Do you know there's a difference between lying down and sleeping, right? How many nights have you had where you lay down and sleep doesn't come? It could be from many things. Distress. It could be from stress. It could be from a difficult situation. It could be from, from difficult people. It could be from sin in your own life and the ramifications of that. It could be from any number of ways. But you know those nights where sleep just won't come. You want it to come because you know you're counting down in your mind like, if I go to sleep now, I'll have five hours of sleep before the day hits me. and then, Okay, if I go to sleep now, it's four and a half hours. If I go to sleep now, Lord Jesus, you're almost getting, you're just like, help me, help me sleep, okay? Three hours before that alarm clock goes off, help me sleep. The psalmist is very clear to say, because remember, he says, be angry, lay on your bed at night, but don't sin, He's very clear that the Lord, his trust in the Lord has given him this place where he can both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is a man who has been hunted down by, as David is the author here, we don't know which situation he's talking about, but there was a man named Saul that tried to kill him and sent an army after him, and it would be hard for you to sleep on the run From somebody who has the resources to kill you. Secondly, he's been on the run from his son Absalom before. Been on the run, people trying to kill him. And we don't know what particular situation of distress, but for him to write that he could, in the midst of his difficult situation, lie down and sleep is is quite the statement. I in peace, God, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. There's a pathway to peace and confidence that comes with prayer. Tell it to Jesus and go to sleep. There is a way to fight for peace in your life and it is confidence in the Lord that begins in prayer. I'm learning this more and more. Wake up in the middle of the night. I do this from time to time. And sometimes I'm thinking about something and now... I've done this for several, I've done this for about a year and a half now. When I wake up, I feel like it's on purpose, and I want to pray for a few minutes. Not very long, because I'm kind of in and out. And if you've ever seen me in the morning, I'm not a, I don't wake up well, okay? Whatever I can get out, remember, our words don't have to be flowery. They just got to be to him, okay? And I'll be like, help this person, and my heart here needs help here. Or God, thank you for this, help me here, and what happens, you roll over and you go back to sleep and you do that, and I want you just to see this, there is a pathway to peace and the confidence and trust in God, and we can can bring it to him, we can pray, we go to sleep. There's this great story about two of the great evangelists of all time, one by the name of John Wesley and one by the name of George Whitfield. John Wesley would stay up all night praying for the revival the next day, and George Saw this for a couple of days. Used to travel together, preaching, preaching the gospel. And George one day says, "Why are you doing that?" And and, and Wesley kind of smarted back. And this is the uh, this is the Reader's Digest version of the story. Okay, Wesley kind of pops back and said, "You know, well, I'm praying. What do you do?" He says, "I pray, trust the Lord, and go to sleep. And that's what you should do. And that's exactly what we should do." confidence in Lord and know that he hears us because we're his possession leads us to prayer. Prayer leads us to confidence, which leads us to a good night's sleep. Some of you guys, dads, let me speak to you today. I know you're worried. I know your job's been probably kicking your rear. I know you might think about your family, your finances, whatever. Trust in the Lord. Give it to him and take a nap today. That's prescribed from your pastor, okay? Tell your family. I got to sleep in the confidence that the Lord has it today. Ladies, ladies, this is for you, okay? Maybe not today since you might be watching the kids while the guys nap, okay? All right? But here's what it may be for you. Your house does not need to be perfect. Your kids don't have to eat organic. You don't have to be better than the other mom down the street. You just need to trust the Lord. If it's such a hard thing for you, you might need to delete the Pinterest app, your kids don't need sandwiches that look like caterpillars that morph into butterflies. That's insane. Okay? Go to sleep. Trust in the Lord. There are people raising kids in third world countries. They're barely having enough to eat. You don't have to make your, your kids' lunches look like something. Trust in the Lord. you worried about your future college student, young adult? Yes, work for it. Yes, do all the work you have to do. Yes, pray. Yes, seek the Lord. But go to sleep because he is in control. Pray, lift it up to him. He has you in his hands. One of the greatest acts of faith that we take, partake in, is sleeping. I don't know if you're going to wake up. You don't know what's going on around you. I definitely don't. Rockets could be going off, and I'm out. But to sleep in confidence is an act of war against our enemy, who seeks to steal, kill, kill, and destroy. And it is a great act of faith in our Lord. I pray. You don't get sleep during these times, okay? <laughs> All right? But I pray you get it other times. Because our confidence that we can take any care to him, that he hears us because he cares for us, will give us freedom from anger, weapon against it, and will give us peace that leads to rest. Hebrews 4 14 through 16. I'm asked to invite the van to come up because we're going to sing, we're going to respond to this. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then here is the good news. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Let's stand together and pray. You're good to us, God. You hear us when we call to you. We are your chosen possession. You have worked for us in the past. You've been good to us in the past. You have been, you have answered our prayers. There is more joy in you than in anything else, God. And so we can handle our distress knowing that you have made a way for us to not live in anger and a way for us in peace. We trust you. We trust you, God. And I pray for these people in this room and all those here and connected with our church, God. That faith in Christ would abound. That we would not sit on our anger, but we would trust your judgment. And God, we would know true rest and confidence in you. God, the haters will hate. There will be persecution. Let us love, Lord. Let us be people who have great confidence in you. And let us know that your love is never failing. You've set us apart. We are yours. Hear us. Oh God, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Let's sing. Higher than the mountains that I face Stronger than In the trial and the change This one thing remains This one thing remains Your love Your love never fails and never gives up It never runs out on me Your love never fails and never gives up runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love. And on and on. And on and on and on and on, and on, and on it goes. Yes, it